The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about infidelity and what happens during infidelity and how can you survive it and thrive afterwards because that is one of the most painful types of conflict to go through when someone cheats on you and you really trusted them. Let me introduce you to our our wonderful guest. Let me tell you about Gregory Smith has counseled thousands of individuals through various situations involving infidelity. And he's seen the terrible damage that affairs or cheatings can do to relationships. So his goal is to help pick the people to figure out what they've been doing, what's been going on with the cheating, and how they can successfully deal with it, deal with their lives afterwards. So you can find out more at bin-cheated-on.com and also at our website at conflicthealing.com where we have his picture, his bio, and we link to his URL. And also there's a picture of his book. And the name of his book is After the Infidelity how to successfully recover from having been cheated on. So thank you so much. I sure appreciate you joining us, Gregory. Mari, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So what is it that caused you to write this book? Well, back in 2007, I founded a website, a different website called midlifebachelor.com, and that website has been dedicated to helping people uh, reintegrate themselves into the single world after having been married and, and divorced or widowed, uh, you know, for, for usually having been married for quite some time. And most of the divorces that occur in midlife uh, happen as a function of infidelity. And I've had the vast, overwhelming uh, majority of people come to me uh, wanting to recover from the experiences that they've had. And I've noticed so many things in common when dealing with these people that I decided to put together a book. There's actually a series of books, um, and uh, to to really kind of um, uh, you know congregate all the information together and and put it into a resource that people can use uh, and and learn from the experiences of others and just get them through, get them over the hump, and get them on the road to recovery because. Everyone does deserve uh, happiness and success, and, and even though it doesn't seem like you're, you're going to be able to get there initially, eventually you do, as long as you 
uh, take the right steps. Yeah, yeah. I think the the really sad part about any kind of um, infidelity in a relationship is that that total trust that you might have had in that person, and then that trust is totally crushed. I have uh, one couple that they were married 20 years, and then the wife said, you know, I always told people how really lucky I was to have the most trustworthy husband in the world. And I think just having that whole vision of your spouse like that and believing that, that your whole world falls apart. So what do you think is the best way? I mean, for her not to know for 20 years was a shock for her and obviously for me. What is the best way to know if someone is cheating on you? Well, there's always a lot of signs, and sometimes they can be really subtle, and you really just have to pay close attention to what's going on. Um, you know, there's there's categories of signs. There's solid proof where it's, uh, you know, in your face, which could be, uh, you know, an eyewitness type of account, like you walk in on somebody. Um, there's a certain slice of people where, where that's happened, and that's probably the worst case way to find out is to, to just stumble into it, basically, mm-hmm. right? But in the majority of cases, it's more circumstantial evidence. And what that means, uh, it's basically a collection of things that you notice uh, over time. And some of them can be more obvious than others. For example, I would say the number one thing, and this is true for both a male and or a female that's cheating, uh, the number one thing would be a red face. Well, what is a red face? How, why, would a, why would a red face signal that somebody is cheating? Uh, well, if it's a man... Uh, a red face is a sign or a side effect of the use of uh, Viagra, basically. <laughs> and so, if your if your if your husband comes home and he looks flushed and it's not you know 110 degrees outside, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's probably it's it, it's a there's a very good possibility, especially if you see it more than once or if you see it in conjunction with maybe some of the other signs. That can be a very valid sign um, that he is cheating on you. Uh, what, what, what if it's a woman? Okay, what if you're a man and your wife comes home and her face is red? Uh, well, she's probably not taking Viagra, number one. But, uh, but what it probably means, or what it could mean, is that her face has been rubbed up against by a, man, uh, by a man's face. Because we men, you know, we grow beards and stuff and we shave in the morning. But we do have a rough face, even after several hours. You know, I myself shaved two hours ago, and my face is like sandpaper right now. <laughs> and so, if uh, if a woman comes home and you know her face is all pink, it could be a sign that uh, that uh, that some cheating activity is going on. <laughs> but um, a lot of times, you'll see this uh, in conjunction with a number of other signs. Uh, that's a pretty major one right there. So I usually like to call that one out first. But Determining if uh, if cheating is going on, it, it's it, it's you have to basically draw a conclusion and not jump to one. Which means notice a lot of little symptoms, and I advocate people write these things down, and you know with a date and a time. And you know the more and more things that you notice, um, it, it will become quite obvious over time whether or not somebody is cheating. Um, so I mentioned the red face. Uh, issue that's a that's a blatant one. Another one could be that when they come home, they head straight to the shower. Why would they do that? Um, they're trying to rinse something off of them. It could be a smell, or you know, it could be any uh, overt evidence of of something going on. You know, so that's uh, that's that's a a reason. Um, 
another one that I would say that's uh, very obvious would be uh, the sudden appearance of birth control. For instance, if you're a woman and you find condoms in your uh, in your husband's or your boyfriend's suitcase when he's uh, going on an out of town trip, right? What on earth would he need those for? <laughs> right, right, <laughs> so, right. So there's that, and it, the same thing could be true. You know, I mean, not condoms. Well, condoms could be if it, if it's a man and he sees condoms in uh, in his wife's or his girlfriend's luggage, or if uh, she's on birth control and uh, and they're not, you know, actively participating as a couple uh, together. Just just things of that sort. Um, and then so, simple things like lying, you know, where have you been, you know? And then you say, he says, well, I was at work, and you called at work, and he wasn't at work. You know, those kinds of things are pretty pretty darn obvious, too, that there's something going on, right? Oh, yeah, and that's part of the whole collection or array of things that, uh, that together add up to a set of circumstantial evidence that can be pretty convincing. Um, there, there's, I think there's probably 15 or 16 different signs total that, that I go through in, um, in uh, one of my books. Uh, but secrecy is, is something else. Right. Uh, secrecy with your cell phone. Uh, you know, if they're, if they're hiding the cell phone, you see them turning it off. They don't want text messages to be visible to you. Same thing with the email. If there's a secret email account, uh, they could be doing online dating, that kind of stuff. Or, as you just mentioned, disappearances, unexplained disappearances. They should be at work, or they should be somewhere. You try to reach them there, and for whatever reason, you can't. Those are all data points that uh, alone may not mean much, but in conjunction with other data points, especially in, when there's a close time proximity involved, they can all add up to, uh, to signs of cheating, definitely. Okay, so what about just gently confronting your partner? What do you think about that? And saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm seeing all these things happening, and it feels like you're having an affair. Okay, okay. what about that? It, it, it's a very valid way to proceed. Uh, I did that when I was married. Uh, my wife uh, was, was having an affair, and I, it was, I didn't really think that she was, and I just threw it on the table, and I noticed that she turned white when I said it. She white. Oh, dear. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was very shocking. Um, so my advice to anyone who's contemplating just simply asking is be careful what you ask and have a plan uh, in place in your head for what, you can, what you're going to do if you get the wrong answer. Mm-hmm. And um, so what does that mean? I mean, what types of things can you do if you ask someone and they tell you, yes, I've been having an affair? Um, well, you could... You could do nothing. Um, that's probably the best thing to do is probably just to sit there <laughs> and, 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 and just listen to it. Um, uh, another thing you could do is you could ask him or her to leave immediately. Uh, that's what I did in my case. Um, uh, or you could leave. Um, but here's the thing. And you as an attorney, uh, Mari, I mean, you know this, right? You want to be very careful about... Um, about your actions, because mm-hmm. actions that you take today can affect things later on, like, uh, like self-custody can... issues, property settlements, that kind of thing. Right. So that's why I say it's usually best to do nothing. And and I wouldn't ask somebody if they're having an affair until you've already accumulated enough of your own circumstantial or eyewitness or direct evidence, for that matter, as possible, and where you know what you're going to do after you know that pivot point. Yeah. So I would say just be really careful and, and 
I guess the bottom line is, to answer your question, have a plan in place if you're going to Yeah, that's a good idea. So if you are... If you think that this is um, an affair and you absolutely think that this is going to end up in divorce, it's um, or you're contemplating that it could end up in divorce, it's a good idea to make sure you have copies of all financial documents and all important documents before you even confront, because otherwise maybe um, that other person's going to hide things as soon as they find out that you know. And so it's really important that you know where all the financial documents are and where accounts are and and do your research and see if there's any hidden accounts. Because in, I would say about half the divorces that I do, there has been cheating. And the um, it's important for these parties to make sure that they have copied documents and if, you know, put them back or go visit the, the office or whatever and find out exactly what's going on. Because somebody might already be preparing to leave you and you better know uh, what what the community property is, what the accounts are, the secret accounts. And some people don't realize that if you're married and someone's cheating on you, at least in the state of California, we have no-fault divorce. However, if they've been spending money on their loved one uh, with trips and uh, jewelry and other things, um, you have a right under California law to really trace all that and you're entitled to half of that back because half of it was already his or hers and the other half belongs to you. So in one case, just recently, a wife is entitled to $50,000 back on top of the property settlement. So there are some important implications, as you brought up, Gregory, for people to really not just fly off the handle. And like you said, wise advice, think before you do anything. So we're talking about some of the emotional issues. Um, let's talk about why people cheat. Can we do that? What are yeah. some of the reasons that they would? Why people cheat? Um you know, it, there's a lot of different reasons on why people cheat. Uh, I, I kind of tend to lump them in general into three different categories. There's um, there's the uh, the accidental or the situational type of uh, type of uh, reason. Um, there's an exploratory type of reason, and I'm gonna I'll get back to each of these. And there's also a deliberate uh, a deliberate cause. So let's start with the accidental or situational, as I call it, because um, I'd say that in many cases, that's how these things start off. And what it means is that the person who cheats uh, finds themselves in a situation where cheating is easy. Uh, it could be on a work trip, a work-related trip, and they're in the company of a female female colleague who is uh, uh, very interested in them, and they start having a few drinks. It just happens. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what I call an accidental or a situational type of cause as to how affairs occur. Um, another one would be exploratory, and I see this a lot over on midlifebachelor.com, uh, where people uh, often come to that site because of a midlife crisis, the so-called midlife crisis. Is mm-hmm. there a midlife crisis center? You can debate it, but anyway, um, exploratory causes of affairs have to do with uh, a person thinking that. They're missing out. Um, the the grass is greener syndrome or gigs. Um, mm-hmm. They they think that life is passing them by. Uh, they've been with this person for twenty some years, and they want to they want to just try something else. And mm-hmm. um, so it's an exploratory phase for them. And in a certain 
slice of the cases, they wind up destroying their entire previous life, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, it, it, it does happen. So that's the second type. And then the third type is probably the most unfortunate, and that's the what I call the deliberate uh, type of affair, the third, or the deliberate cause. And that is in the case where somebody just flat out wants out of a marriage or out of a relationship, mm-hmm. and they, they, for whatever reason, they, they can't do it just by talking about it. They want to create a circumstance in order to force it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, so that would be the third type. Right. Um, Do you think that if, oh, if you're really happy in a relationship and things, and you're really communicating well and things are good, do you think that affairs still happen? They can. Uh, it, you know, it depends on the type of person that you're talking about, and it can depend a lot about their personality type. Mm-hmm. Um, communication is always very good, um, but all relationships, in, in my view, kind of run a course. Uh, you know, there's, a, there's kind of a heat phase at the beginning, and then it kind of tapers off into kind of a middle phase. And for people that are married their entire lives, that that uh, that natural phase kind of never goes away, but in a certain slice or portion of uh, of relationships, uh, they they kind of lose that over time, that normalcy phase, and um, they kind of grow apart. So so that can that can definitely happen. It can be complicated by other things like a midlife crisis can complicate it. You know, it can take a perfectly sane individual who is forty five to fifty years old, and he thinks, oh my goodness. Uh, I'm getting old. I've got to go try something different. Right, uh, right. The, the other things that can kind of um, bleed in are uh, like a sense of entitlement. Uh, someone, and you, you see this oftentimes with uh, people that are very wealthy or very powerful. They think that because of who they are, they can do whatever they want. And so they might be great communicators with their spouse, but they think they're entitled to everything, and uh, it puts them above a lot of things. Cake and eat so, it too, right? <laughs> Right, they want their. That? I said they want their cake and eat it too. And they feel entitled yeah. to it. They're thinking, right. "I am this person, and you know what? I, I'm CEO of this corporation, so I should be able to do whatever I want. And I'm worth a hundred million dollars. My wife gets everything she wants. Blah blah blah. I could name people out in the news today, but I won't because mm-hmm. it's obvious that mm-hmm. we're, sort of thing is 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 very very prevalent. But um, but and, and culture too. I know, like. Um, you know, in in the macho type countries where you know you have a, a your wife and you treat your wife really well, and then you have your your affair, you have your uh, lover on the side, right? So that's mm-hmm. it's somewhat cultural in some places too. That is true. That is true. Well, and then there's also some other things that happen too. Uh, and there's been some high profile people in the last several years that have had this this type of issue. Uh, the notion of a sexual addiction. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not sure how long that's been uh, right. acknowledged as a as a true addiction, but people people do have it. I believe I've I've seen it. We've seen it in the news. Um, so they just they they're just compulsive about it. That's another thing. And then um, one thing that's really interesting um, that uh, that I I run into. I don't run into it a lot, but I I run into it enough to put it in my my book. Uh, and also on the midlifebachelor.com website, that's a sexual identity crisis mm. um, where somebody, uh, a man, let's just say a man, because in most of the cases that I've run into, it's been a man, uh, but it, it's certainly not universal. Uh, a man is married to a woman for 20-some years, mm. and then all of a sudden he um, 
quote unquote, and I'm going to correct myself in a minute, but I'm going to tell you just from people's perspective, he becomes gay. He comes out of the closet. Right, he yeah. becomes gay, and 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 he, guess what? He he didn't just become gay; he was gay the right. entire time, and he just realized it later in life. Yes, uh, and it just it's devastating to to the people in the family. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, that's I, I had a couple that they were married 28 years, and they were the cutest couple. Oh, my goodness. But husband had um, had traveled a lot for business, but every time he did, he'd have an affair with a male. And um, and then after, you know, 28 years, um, one of his partners came to the door and actually showed a picture of his uh, genitalia to their teenage son. Ah. So, yeah, horrible, horrible. And uh, so that's when it all became apparent. Now, I, it, it, you would think that she would know. I mean, she was a beautiful woman, really. I mean, they were close friends. Um, but he finally, finally, when this happened, he came out of the closet and they got a divorce. And, you know, there she moved on and is a uh, has a wonderful relationship. And he has a relationship now, a more stable relationship. So... What was terrible for that is that he could have been bringing home all sorts of diseases to her, That's which, true. which is uh, really bad. But, um, yeah, very painful, very painful one. And I had a woman, a couple that had been married, oh, they were in their 70s, and they came to me, and she came out of the closet at age 75 oh and goodness. said, I have been living this lie. He's a nice guy. We have wonderful children. And I can't do this anymore. I, he was totally devastated. So I think that is going to be less and less because now we have gay marriage and we are much more accepting of, you know, homosexual relationships. So, but these were people that were, you know, were older and society has uh, evolved a little bit. Yes. So, wow. Yeah. That's when, I've never heard of that when the 75 year old person. <laughs> yeah. Um, at that age, you'd think it'd be easier just to keep quiet, but no, go figure. Go no, figure. no, it wasn't easier. So, so what about? Um, is it sometimes just sexual attraction goes away? You've seen somebody, they've gained weight, or what is it? Do you think that has something to do with it too? That they just they they don't take care of themselves anymore. Well, it could be. Uh, you know, some of us age better than others, uh, and uh, it, it it could be that. In some portion of the people out there, they let themselves go. Uh, that's that's definitely, I, I, I see that uh, when people uh, talk to me about midlife crises. Uh, you know, my wife has gained 50 pounds or, you know, she just she doesn't do anything anymore. She just sits on the couch and eats, that kind of stuff. Um, or it could be the reverse of that. It could be the husband is, is doing that or, or what have you. But um, in my mind, it's, uh, it's, all of that is just uh, a symptom of something bigger that's going wrong, and that is that the relationship, they're, they're simply growing apart. Right. Uh, they're less interested in each other's lives and, and in each other, and it's just a, it's a form of complacency, basically. You take things for granted, uh, and, and, and you, you shouldn't with, with relationships. I mean, we're all just here tempor- temporarily. We should, uh, we should appreciate the people, the relationships, the things that we have, uh, and if if you find yourself, for whatever reason, if your partner has transformed into someone that you either don't like because of the way they behave, if it can't be corrected through counseling or through dialogue or communication, then 
take the appropriate steps and get a divorce. Don't yeah. just cheat. Just do it the right way. Uh, yeah. that, that would be what I would say to people. Yeah, have some integrity, right? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. And sometimes people do that. You know, like I said, half of the people that come to me for divorce mediation, they, they're they just saying, you know, we're not doing well. We've tried therapy. It's not working. We have different values. Our kids are grown. It's time for us to just let it go. And and it's painful, but at least there's not this other person. What I tell people usually is that the affair is is often just a symptom, not really the cause. It's just right. a symptom of what's going on and and. Um, so my new book that's coming out in February is called Couples Fighting for Love, Finding the Gift in Conflict. And we talk about how to, you know, get through the conflicts and how to get through all these kinds of um, inability to communicate. Because, if you know, I feel like this. If you're really communicating well, if you're really enjoying each other, you could have the hottest chick or guy around and you wouldn't be interested. You know, you might say, wow, you know, that's good looking you know, you wouldn't necessarily be interested, right? Right. That's true. So uh, let's talk about, let's say you got past the shock phase. Now you found out, right? Someone maybe told you your husband is cheating or you found out. Let's get to the point where now you get past the shock phase where you discover with certainty uh, that your partner has has um, cheated on you. What do you do? Well, in my mind, and this is what I've seen and advocated across hundreds, if not thousands of people, um, that there are things that you simply have to recognize and accept. And, and doing this will, will help you tremendously. The first thing is, and, and I knew this years ago when I went through this, even though it doesn't seem like it at the time, and it, seemed, it sounds almost silly, but the first thing you have to realize and just know is that better days are coming. Better right. days are coming. Today might be awful. This week might be awful. This month might be awful. The next six months might be really tough. But there's, there are really good days, better days. Happiness is in front of you. And, and you know what? And, know that. and you know what? That's absolutely right. And, you know, um, I tell people, look, I mean, right now you're in a dark night of the soul, but you're going to, you, if he wasn't happy or if she wasn't happy, if you look within, you weren't happy either. Because if one person isn't happy, then you're obviously not happy or fulfilled in this marriage. So in a, in, it's really a blessing in disguise that you're going to know about maybe in a year or two years, but it, it will take time, but you'll see that it was a blessing in disguise. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Better to know about it now than to waste more of your life in, in investing in this person. Right. Right. Definitely. So some of the other things that uh, that I've found are are best to recognize and accept uh, is the notion that this is not your fault, okay? And there are things that each of us can do that contribute to it, but it's really the fault of the person who actually commits the act of infidelity. It's, that's really their fault. That's on them more than on you. And in the book, we go into things where you can kind of diagnose what you're what you're doing. Um, that can contribute to the other person's behavior. But for when, when you're at this point where you know the affair has happened and you want to you want to go through this recognize and accept phase, you have to know that better days are coming and that this is not your fault. And then another thing that uh, that is very, very helpful to know is the fact, and you have to know this and believe it and take it to heart, 
you cannot change or control someone else's feelings. You can't, you can't project what you want your spouse to say and do onto them and have them do it. They're their own person. And yes, you probably had a great relationship, you probably had a great relationship with them in the past, but right now things are different and the only person whose thoughts and feelings you can control are your own. So just, it's good to remember that. Um, because you're not going to be able to control what they think and what they do. So that's, that's important. Um, there's a couple of other things, too, that I want to mention, because they're all part of the recognize and accept uh, phase that I'm talking about. Okay, just, this, just remember we only have a little, t- uh, just like a half a minute left. So if you oh. could, maybe we should just talk about um, you, that you, how to get your book. Let's do that. Uh, let's just say that. I think that's what we're going to have to do because I'm looking at the clock now and we're just about out of time. So we are speaking with Gregory Smith who wrote After the Infidelity, How to Successfully Recover from Having Been Cheated On. And his website is bin-cheated-on.com. And so um, thank you so much. It's really time to go, Gregory. We could probably talk all day. You're wonderful. Excellent. Well, Mari, thank you so much. All of the books are also available on uh, Amazon and the Kindle store as well, too. So just so you know, thank you so much for having me. Good luck to everybody. And uh, remember, better days are coming. Oh, thank you so much. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 830 a.m. and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thank you. Thank you.